My name is Trip Gorman, and in this episode of SME VC, I sit down with Alex LaPlaza, partner at Lower Carbon Capital. He's held a number of roles at Lower Carbon, starting as an associate, then principal, and is now currently a partner. He was a 2020 fellow at the Clean Energy Leadership Institute, a visiting scholar at Harvard University, an associate at Renew Power, and a Fulbright scholar and a critical language scholar with the US State Department. He holds a master's degree from Stanford University in international policy with a focus on energy, environment, and natural resources, and an honors bachelor's degree from American University in international studies. In this episode, we discussed how governments and regulatory bodies in Latin America are supporting and fostering the growth of climate tech in the region how climate tech in Latin America is different from climate tech in the United States and Europe, and which specific sectors within climate tech in Latin America are witnessing the most innovation and investment. We discussed all this and more in this episode of SMIA VC. Okay, Alex, could you start by telling the audience a bit more about your work history up to and including your current role at Lower Carbon Capital? Yeah, so my career actually started in Indonesia. I graduated undergrad from American University in, in DC and left to go spend about a year, year and a half in Indonesia as a Fulbright scholar working on issues of, of food and water security and realized there that uh, while I was working on food and water security that I really need to learn more about energy. Uh, the specific reason being that as the, the communities I worked with were were losing their rivers due to deforestation, uh, so they would have flooding in the, in the wet season and drought in the dry season. And I realized if they had energy access, uh, then they wouldn't need to deforest their, their forests for fuel. And so went back to Stanford to learn more about energy, get a little more deeper into the world of energy, did a degree in international policy. And there is when I spent some time working in India, uh, working at Renew Power, India's largest clean energy power producer, and also did some work on uh, the electrification of mobility in, in East Africa, specifically in, in Kenya and Uganda. And Really at Stanford, it's it's hard to be working on policy when people are just building cool things all around you. I felt like I was just doing a whole lot of reading and, and writing that that people really would never care about. While people were making tangible impacts and differences just by building and, and exploring and, and aiming to, to scale solutions. So uh, I learned about Lower Carbon on a podcast, actually, oddly enough, the My Climate Journey podcast, my my... My colleague Clay, uh, one of the founding partners of Lower Carbon, went on and pulled back the curtain for the first time about the work they were doing. And I was really excited, dropped everything, applied, and was was fortunate to get it. And that was three years ago. And really was lucky with the timing. Just got kind of caught got a ticket on the rocket ship and, and it's been a fun ride. Amazing. So I want to talk about that work history. I want to talk about your role at Lower Carbon Capital. But first, um, because of the audience, I have to ask, you know, you, you do climate tech. And this is a podcast about Latin America. So can you tell the audience more about climate tech in Latin America, how it's different from climate tech in the United States and uh, just that whole story arc there? Yeah. So I've been working pretty closely, pretty deeply in Latin for the past two years or so, just in, out of recognition that the opportunity for climate tech in Latin is just absolutely massive. I'm, I'm super bullish on the region and the opportunity for climate tech specifically in the region. Um, and there's a few reasons why um, mostly that I just think it has a natural advantage in in becoming a world leader in what is a you know generational investment opportunity, a generational uh, industrial transformation. It's got a lot of the natural ingredients. And in many ways, a lot of the, the biggest sectors and industries and, and companies in the region are already climate companies. They're just often not thought of it as so. You know, I'm thinking about large steel, chemicals, uh, agricultural companies, coffee, soy, 
beef, sugarcane. These are all really important for for climate tech, um, and they're also some of the biggest biggest sectors already. And so there's a natural advantage there. And so the way I kind of view climate tech for the region is just by increasing the efficiency of these industries, right? There's a lot of low hanging fruit in making these industries that are already massive and, and quite productive, more productive. Um, you know, it, the it's, it's, I think of the region still kind of views climate tech as, you know, ESG, kind of this fluffy philanthropy, not really a, a serious money-making endeavor. Um, but what I often say is, you know, in business, sustainability and efficiency are often one and the same, right? The definition of efficiency is is to produce more, to do more with fewer resources. And, you know, when, when you do that, that's just inherently sustainable. And so you apply that at scale to some of these massive, massive industries. Um, the the impacts for the climate are, are quite substantial. Uh, and in doing so, you, you make quite a bit of money. Um, yeah. I love it. And so for the the audience in Latin America that might not know about lower carbon, I'd love to hear more about like kind of what it is um, in, in your words, because it, in, in the US, it's it's one of the foremost climate tech VCs. So I, I'd love a little bit of insight there. And then you maybe you can transition that directly into telling the audience more about your investments in Latin America through lower carbon. Sure. So lower carbon, we're an early stage venture capital fund. We invest in pre-seed, seed, and series A companies, startups, uh, and solutions to any any solution or technology to reduce or remove greenhouse gas emissions, as well as what we call buying more time. That's enhancing the, the climate resilience or adaptations of communities, often through a technology or, or technological solution. Um, the the thesis is is pretty straightforward, right? It's in the name. Uh, we're we're pretty cross sectoral or or sector agnostic or geography agnostic. It's just recognizing that you know it's such a multi climate is such a multifaceted problem, and there's just a, a plethora of solutions, and we want to be open to finding the most scalable and and impactful solutions. Um, to be clear, we're not an impact fund. We don't we don't call ourselves that. We think that. The way to have an impact is by building a huge, valuable, and profitable business. You know, impact doesn't lead to scale. Scale leads to impact is, is kind of how we view it. Um, so we've invested in about almost 100 companies uh, to date and across maybe five continents. Um, you know, U.S., Europe, India, Latam, uh, East Africa. So pretty pretty global. I do a lot of work uh, leading our emerging markets focus, and within that, I've I spent quite a bit of time in Latam, uh, in particular Brazil and Mexico, looking at opportunities for climate tech companies. the The companies that we've invested in to date are two in Brazil, one called Lemon Energy in in the solar space, and another called Musa in waste management in Brazil, just digitizing uh, a fairly archaic uh, industry today. And then the third is a company called Solada in, in Mexico City that is doing, uh, it's building a fintech platform to kind of catalyze uh, flows of capital into renewables uh, in, in the country. I'm always hesitant to ask investors to describe one of their investments because then they're worried that the others are worried, that the, 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 they're sad that they didn't get mentioned. But um, I'd love for you to pick one of those three and just dive deeper into why I invested into them um, and no hard feelings to the other founders. Sure, I'll go with Lemon because that was my kind of my first foray into the Latam, our first investment in the in the region. And Lemon Energy is a community solar platform. Community solar uh, is the idea of you know, communities, often or or businesses, even even homeowners and and 
just uh, retail consumers often can't afford or just practically speaking, cannot have access to solar, right? They, they don't have space on the roof. They can't afford the down payment, whatever the barriers are. Um, but uh, it's possible for you to, instead of paying the electricity bill you pay today, you just pay a, a distributed generation site. So say, you know, somewhere a few fields away, uh, instead of paying my electricity bill, I give you that same amount, the same the same money I'm putting towards my electricity bill today to fund uh, the generation of somewhere far off. So Lemon is kind of the node that connects the two. They connect small and medium businesses to distributed generation sites. Um, it means these these small and medium businesses have access to to low cost solar. It's lower cost than the grid. They save on their power bills. They get clean energy. And so it's not an exact, you know, the, these companies aren't paying exactly for uh, the electrons. Uh, you know, they're not consuming the energy directly from these solar plants. They're just paying for that solar plant to inject the same amount that they consume into the grid. So it's just kind of a balancing and and, and you need a lemon uh, to kind of connect the two. And uh, the reason why I think this is exciting in Brazil in particular is because Brazil is highly dependent on hydropower for the grid. It's, it's uh, you know, one of the, actually one of the cleanest grids in the world already because they've built out such a massive, such massive hydro power infrastructure. Um, the challenge is uh, climate change. It's, it's uh, going to really disrupt precipitation patterns. Uh, you know, droughts can lead to lower water levels, which lead to far higher electricity bills. So, uh, Brazilian consumers, Brazilian businesses are really feel that pain kind of uh, annually uh, as as drought increases and and their power bills increase. So meanwhile, Brazil is just very sunny, right? It's, uh, every point of Brazil is far sunnier than any point of Germany, and so the opportunity for Brazil to be a solar leader is is really exciting. And I think Lemon uh, has a really interesting business model to unlock that. I love that. And I love that the challenge is the climate. That's very, that's very interesting. Um, I, I have to ask, because I think a lot of the audience, even if they're looking at deal flow, they're not looking at climate tech deal flow, and they've really no idea what's going on in the US versus what's going on in Latin America. So when you're seeing deal flow from Latin America and you're seeing deal flow from the US, what are the differences? What are the types of problems they're solving? Um, give, give us a little more of that color there. Yeah, I would say the number one thing is in my space is just the technical talent in the US and in Europe, a lot of climate tech today is fairly what you could just consider deep tech. Um, so a lot of you know hard science innovation, a lot of technical challenges and technical de-risking. And that is yet to emerge as meaningfully in, in LATAM. The, the technical talent is certainly there. Um, it's often not working on climate tech. Um, and so the that's the I think that's the biggest marker. I think that's the biggest difference. Um, the second I would say is it's still you know as I alluded to earlier, thought climate is still thought of as this kind of fringe, kind of fluffy, feel good, philanthropic uh, business case. When in the U.S. and in Europe, um, they very much see it as an economic economic opportunity. It's just, you know, industrial transformation. Um, the US and, and Europe are kind of in a in a greens green arms race, so to speak, to see who could be the leader of of this new uh this transformation, this global economic transformation. And they see the economic benefits of doing so, of being that leader. Whereas um the talent in in a lot of Latin, you know, it, they they are interested in climate tech, but 
often there are seemingly far more lucrative places to be spending your time and energy, uh, at least if you're building a startup. So um, that's still a challenge, but uh, I think I think it's changing. Um, I think people are starting to recognize that that you know you can make uh, you can have a, a meaningful and and lucrative career while working on climate. You talked about that greens green arms race. I feel like a lot of that is fueled by governments, institutional LPs. A lot of people want to put their money into climate tech funds like lower carbon. How do you see that as as like juxtaposed with Latin America? Is there that same government societal push towards that that sort of clean tech innovation? Or is that something that you're only seeing in the places you mentioned, like North America and Western Europe? Yeah, yeah actually, in, in Latin, I've been pretty pleased uh, to see that the governments are actually very forward looking and very proactive and, and um, uh, there's a lot of incentives, incentives being erected for to cultivate climate tech industries, I think the gap is mostly on the on the founder level to date, uh, transparently. But but yeah, governments across the region are really being quite aggressive. I think Mexico is is one exception. Mexico is kind of a uh, in many ways kind of moving in the opposite direction in terms of the current administration and their their preference for for fossil fuels. But um, in Brazil, the you know the Lula Lula's administration is very forward looking, not just on the Amazon but on industrial uh, decarbonization more generally. Um, Chile and Argentina realize that they have a massive role to play in global decarbonization because of their their mining industries and their their lithium resources and finding a way to make it sustainable, both in terms of uh, environmental impact, but also in terms of the livelihoods and, and making sure their populations benefit from this this global trend. Um, so there's a lot of really exciting things happening on the government side in in Latam uh, in in South America in particular. Um, focused on on trying to become a leader in this in this global trend, um, it's still high level. A lot of it is still filter, filtering down, um, but that's important. It kind of you know sets sets the bar. It points to a direction of in which um, people should be looking and moving. And I think uh, I think the next years will, are, are going to be pretty exciting. Amazing. I want to illuminate a little more of your thesis on Latin American climate tech. What are you most excited about right now, both in the climate tech space at large and also specifically Latin America? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah, I said, like I said, it, with Latin America, I think a lot of it is just applying technologies, new business models, new solutions to the sectors and industries that are already there, massive and mature today. Um, I can give you some concrete examples. Uh, you know, let's let's take Brazil. Brazil is a is the world's largest importer of fertilizer. Obviously, it's a agricultural powerhouse, one of the the biggest largest agricultural producers in the world. Use quite a bit of fertilizer, but a lot of it is imported, and that's expensive. You know, it raises food costs. It's it's imports, um, and yet today it's possible with new technologies to produce fertilizer from solar power. Today, it's typically produced from fossil fuels and, and, and chemicals, um, but it is possible to produce the exact same chemical fertilizers using solar power and, and renewable electricity. Brazil obviously has an abundance of sun, has an abundance of wind. Um, I think it's kind of an opportunity to, to use that, that renewable energy abundance, that, that renewable energy resource potential and convert it into a homegrown fertilizer industry in which they reduce their imports, reduce their food costs, increase farmer livelihoods, um, just by using the you know their their solar and, and wind resources. Um, 
I use this example as, as kind of one to, to illustrate a broader point in that uh, climate tech is just fundamentally um, beneficial to these economies. Uh, it's not just uh, it's not just to you know feel feel better about themselves to have some obligation to the global community to reduce their emissions. It's it's a win win, right? It's it's self there is self interest. So generally, that's those are the opportunities I really am looking for in Latam is is ones one it are companies and solutions in which self interest is the means by which they scale. Um, I think self interest is is the best way to scale. It's you know you got to have the right financial incentives, particularly in in Latam, and so uh, th that's what I'm excited by. I'm just I'm looking for win win solutions that do good by the planet and do good by by people and consumers and, and businesses. Um, I would say that's true across across the globe. Uh, you know, generally, like we like I said earlier, lower carbon. We're not a an impact fund. We just think that the way to have impact is by building uh, businesses that can stand on their own two, two feet and are are sustainable uh, by nature. That's amazing. So you mentioned Mexico and Brazil as two of the countries that you spend a lot of time in uh, comparatively for Latin America. I'd be interested to know, um, like, wh where do you see the future in the next two years, both geographically and sector wise about, you know, where climate tech is going to go in Latin America? Yeah, um, it's funny. In Brazil, uh, I was there a few times last year. And, you know, the, the interest in Web3 and crypto is pretty palpable. Uh, I felt there was, you know, a lot of folks, a lot of folks were working on that rather than working on climate these days, it's probably AI. Um, but I think climate has eaten a lot of the, the share is kind of this um, counter cyclical almost and uh, resilient sector to build in. And so now that we have are in more of a downturn macroeconomically and in the startup world and in an investment world, um, I think a lot of folks are seeing climate and seeing that it is far more resilient and uh it's you know there's 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 multi-decade tailwinds here and so a lot of more people are going to be looking towards it so that's what i'm most excited about in 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 the region that folks are that would otherwise be working on you know uh crypto or fintech or ai are now looking at climate as as a really exciting and, and tantalizing opportunity um in Brazil and Mexico specifically, a lot of that is still manifesting in uh, in business model innovation more than than technical innovation, um, which you know for the reasons I alluded to earlier are are, are understandable. And um, but there, that that being said, there's still a lot of really exciting opportunities. Uh, there's a lot of business models that have worked elsewhere being applied in the region. Um, and kind of tweak to the local context, but there's also new business models that are emerging um, and homegrown native business models that that make sense for the region, and and those I think are are really exciting. And so it's it's really just looking out towards the these new technologies that have been fairly de-risked elsewhere, things like solar and wind and EV and electric vehicles and batteries, and finding business models that work for the region. Those are the opportunities I'm, I'm pretty excited by. So as promised before, I want to discuss a little bit more about your career. You rose from associate to principal and then a partner at Lower Carbon in less than two years. I think a lot of people look at that and, you know, after after their applause, they're like, wow, how did, how did you do that? Um, so so the question that I want to ask is, uh, what advice would you give yourself to 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 you to you when you were joining VC, knowing what you know now that maybe some of the people in the audience could take? And then how does one have that meteoric rise so quickly? So I started VC in 2020. 
when uh, it was quote unquote good times, everything was frothy, everything was going up. Um, you know, the 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 public markets, the private markets were were just extremely bullish. Uh, interest rates were still low, and you know that was my entry into VC, and and that's when I I you know that that kind of was the my understanding of of what it was and how it would be. I knew that things were felt pretty exceptional, but um, you know I didn't spend too much time thinking about uh, the world after uh, the cycle turned. And uh, it's just kind of, it was hard to because everything was moving so quickly and you gotta, you don't want to be caught up. Uh, you always need to be uh, kind of in the know and up to date. And it's hard to, it's harder to look ahead. Um, so I guess my advice would be just to have a longer term outlook uh, and perspective. Um, and yeah, brace yourself for, for changes. Things can always change on a dime. In terms of, in terms of moving up uh, from associate to partner, really the advice I'd give to, to anyone is just put yourself in the right places. Uh, I, I was very, very lucky, very fortunate, very privileged to, to join lower carbon when I did. Um, I, I think the, the path I've had within lower carbon is far more a function of timing than it is any skill or aptitude or competence. Um, the other part is that, uh, I just work with really good people and, and those people, uh, really are empowering and they want the best for, for, for me and for my teammates. And so the, the kind of modus operandi is really to put people in positions that, um, they might not be necessarily qualified for on paper or, uh, have experience with, and just look for people that can learn quickly and grow and adapt and, challenge them to do so. Uh, and that's kind of the challenge I've been given. I, I can't say that, uh, you know, I, I necessarily earned the position I'm in, but uh, I, I appreciate the challenge and it's, it's been far more motivating than, uh, than anything else I can imagine. So um, that would be my advice to anyone else is put yourself in the right position and, and try to work with really good people. So finally, I have to ask Peter Thiel's famous contrarian question, but with uniquely Samia VC twist. What important truth about Latin America do very few people agree with you on? I'll say it again. I've been saying it constantly and I, I keep pounding the drum, but the opportunity with climate tech in LATAM is a really valuable opportunity. It's it's There's immense potential to create and capture quite a bit of value. So there's a lot of serious money to be made in, in climate tech in LATAM. And I'm not just talking about forest carbon and the Amazon. You know, that's all we see these days is, is forest carbon on on the blockchain, but it's so much more than that. It's so much deeper than that. And I think it's far more interesting than than that narrow and, and fairly myopic uh, view. And so that's what I'd say is it's just, it's not philanthropy, it's just good business. Uh, and I think uh, you know, it's still, there's still a lot of people that still view it as, as fluffy philanthropy, but really it's just, uh, it's just good business. Well, what a fantastic answer, Alex. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the SMEVC podcast today. I very much appreciate your time. Thank you, Trip. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for watching this episode of Samia VC. Make sure to like and subscribe wherever you view the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Gorman Trip. And be sure to check out our newsletter, DealFlow LA, which can be found by going to dealflow.la.